the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. At about 5.45 p.m., 24-year-old actor James Dean was killed and his poor spider uh, on the roads. And what's really weird when you think about the whole thing about James Dean is that the only movie that had come out of his was East of Eden. Rebel Without a Cause and uh, Giant were released a couple of months later and of course he was a superstar already and now he went into the uh, the whole thing of being a legend uh with dying on you know as he did let me just read about the automobile accident it's kind of interesting his porsche uh, hit a ford tudor sedan at an intersection the driver of the other car, 23-year-old California Polytechnic State University student Donald Turnupspeed, what a name, huh? Turnupspeed, uh, was dazed but mostly uninjured. Dean's passenger, German Porsche mechanic Rolf Wertherich, was badly injured but he survived. Only Dean died at the wreck. That's kind of interesting. Only one of Dean's movies, East of Eden, as I said, was released at the time of his death. Rebel Without a Cause and Giant opened shortly afterward, but he was already on his way to superstardom, and the crash made him a legend. Think about the kind of effect this guy had on uh, cinema, because people hadn't even really seen him on the big screen all that much, and went on to be a, a just a superstar of of movies but anyway i wanted to give you that as our uh, piece of history today another piece of history really quick and then i want to talk to kim hammer senator state senator and uh, i gave him a call last night because uh, i i think some things were misconstrued uh yesterday by the state uh, uh legislature but anyway back in 1954 For the first time in reading about history, I I don't feel like an old man, all right? Um, (laughs) I was a year old uh, when the Nautilus, the world's first nuclear submarine, was commissioned. Uh, It was constructed under the direction of U.S. Navy Captain, Captain at that time, 
going to be uh, like a an admiral, a three-star admiral or whatever, a Russian-born engineer who joined the U.S. Atomic Program in 46, and that would be Captain uh, Rickover. In 47, he was put in charge of uh, the Navy's nuclear program. He helped get the Nautilus launched, got it into the water. Uh, it was used for years. It uh, traversed over 500,000 miles uh, during the time that it was active. And it was the first, it, it set all kinds of speed records and all kinds of stuff. But uh, the biggest record that it had was that it was the first submarine ever to go under the North Pole. Uh, because it could go underwater and stay there and indefinitely. Because the, the engine didn't need any kind of oxygen to run. Just uh, a little bit of history for you this early Thursday morning. Now, let's, <clears throat> excuse me, turn our attention over to uh, State Senator Kim Hammer. And Kim, how are you this morning? Great, Dave. Beautiful morning. Come, sun coming up here in a minute. It's a beautiful morning. Yeah, I agree. A little bit of interesting history there. That Rickover thing and the Nautilus, that was a, it made our Navy, uh, you know, the, the the number one Navy in the world when the they had the atomic engine first over all the other countries of the world. But let's move on. I got all kinds of calls last night. I got all kinds of texts, emails. People, you know, here's the key. People are, are really ticked off. They're, they're angry. They're mad. In fact, I just got a new book. I'm going to have the author on within the next week or two talking about misplaced anger, getting so angry about what has been going on uh, with our government that people don't really understand what's going on with the government. So let's let's talk about yesterday in the state government. Uh, people, I, I'd had people on for weeks talking about coming back together, the state government coming back together because you guys never said, we're done. You just continued the session waiting to, to get back together for redistricting. And they thought that if two-thirds of the members of the House and the Senate voted uh, for a bill to be brought before the complete Senate and complete House and voted on, uh, that was going to happen, and the people I heard said, "No, that didn't happen, Day." Now I have to be, I have to be honest. I was only there there for a very short few minutes to see you guys kind of gavel in and get underway again. But tell us what happened. What what are people? And I'm sure you're hearing it too. What are they misunderstanding here uh, about uh, what's going on? Well, first of all, every bill that was introduced yesterday was sent to a committee to be heard. Um, I don't know how lengthy of a process you want to get into, but the way the day played out yesterday, we convened at 10 in the morning, and the first thing we went into uh, a committee of the whole at the request of Senator Hickey, and the purpose of that was that we could have a discussion where nothing would be debated or heard, or nothing would be debated for the purpose of being voted on. So we weren't talking about any of the bills or any of that stuff at that time. And we spent about two hours um, debating what could be presented as far as it being germane to the resolution that was passed when we adjourned 
for recess back in April. And uh, we had staff come in and talk about, you know, the legality in cases and and all the things that, um, you know, were presented as to what would be the narrow scope of what could be introduced. And, and the main thing is any bill that was introduced had to have some germane connection to the resolution and the five key points of what could be heard when we came back out of recess. And so there's about two-hour debate on that and discussion and questions, uh, at the end of which we went back into session so we could begin to um, officially do business. Now, I mean, I can talk for about five to ten minutes nonstop, so let me just ask you. Yeah, well, any, let, any here's, yeah, here's the first thing. Five key points. Let's talk about that. Give us some clarification on that. Evidently, when you guys said, okay, we're going to break off here. Now, when we come back, we'll take up new business as long as it falls within five key points. Is that correct? Yeah, four or five, and I don't have those in front of me, but a couple of them are pretty, you know, like to override the governor's veto to finish conducting business. But it's point number four, I believe it is, that is the the most controversial one, and that is um, uh, unfinished unfinished business and then uh, anything that related to uh, the ongoing emergency uh, and dealing specifically with COVID-19 funding. And that's the, you know, that's the main point upon which, oh, and the redistricting. I mean, that was, right. that was kind of a blatant point. You know, it had to relate to re- redistricting, but if it didn't relate to redistricting, then it was the COVID-19 expenditures and anything unexpected that had come up or unfinished business that had a direct connection to the COVID-19 funding or anything related to the emergency. That was the kind of the catch-all phrase where a lot of the debate occurred around. All right. So was it just a misunderstanding on some people's part that they thought that if they had a bill, for instance, I mean, Garner had a lot of different bills yesterday. They all went into committee. Uh, Was there one bill that didn't make it into committee that everybody's yelling about? To my knowledge, uh, all those bills – all the bills that were filed across the desk made it into committee. And, okay. and the way that that played out was um, they all went down to public health and all the bills yesterday, all the bills yesterday went to one of two committees. Uh, all the redistricting bills went to state agencies. All the other bills went to public health and, uh, and the resolution. Um, Trent had a Senator Gardner had a resolution dealing with, um, condemning Joe Biden for his handling of the Afghan withdrawal that went to state agencies and was heard and passed out. I was told by Senator Ballinger. So, to my knowledge, all the bills that Trent filed across the desk made it into a committee. Now, his bills went down to public health, and and I sit on public health, and public health um, batched all the bills that uh, were not Senator Garner's bill, and we referred them directly to the floor uh, because we knew there was going to be heavy debate on all of them. My understanding is uh, Senator Garner requested that his bills be held in committee for the purpose of being debated, and so they are sitting in the Public Health Committee right now uh, to be taken up at a time you know, that the chair determines uh, that they can be heard. But those other bills that were in public health 
are going to be heard and debated on the Senate floor today that were Senate bills. Okay, so what was the the heartburn about cons- uh, with the Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin and with Hickey about supposedly not allowing some bills to be heard? So all that, what played out with all that was uh, after we had all that debate and the first resolution, which was Senator Gardner's, was read across the was read across the or you know was read across the desk. Mm-hmm. Senator Hickey objected to it, and um, and you know I want to say about Senator Hickey, he is he is uh, presenting his position and his thoughts on the basis that he doesn't think that based on the way a court case was held, that anything other than the um, redistricting bills are the only things that we should be hearing. And I respect that. And that's the, that's the healthy process of, you know, a Republic that you live in that you can have this iron sharpening iron debate. And that, that was a lot of it yesterday. It was just a, a lot of debate on, and, you know, people taking positions based on their understanding. I don't think there was anything uh, intentional to submarine anything or to distract or to take away anything. It was just conviction of the debate as to what, should get heard. So when that came across, uh, Senator Hickey objected, Tim um, disagreed, and actually that resolution got out, got sent to a state agency. Then what happened was to clarify whether resolutions could be heard um, in the, you know, in the extended recess or coming out of extended recess, Senator Mark Johnson got up and made a motion uh, that resolutions could be heard, but only resolutions that would be Senate resolutions. So no concurrent resolutions, no House resolutions. The Senate's just going to hear resolutions that are originated out of the Senate because there's two other ones that are laying out there recognizing people that had done achievement. So, um, and, and, and um, Tim and um, uh, Tim and Senator Hickey, um, you know, there was back and forth, but it was part of the healthy debate that was going on. Um, now, where some of the, the vote of 16 to 16 came, uh-huh. um, and and I know there were people in the gallery, and I'm not sure if they totally understood, you know, the process, because it was, it was playing out fast yesterday. I mean, we were like, you know, we were in the two-minute drill of a football game, and it was moving fast. Um and I can go into this next part, or I'll stop and answer any questions on what I've said so far. Okay. What we'll do is we'll stop because i got to take a break. Okay. <laughs> and okay. then we'll come okay. back, and we'll pick it up from there. And maybe you can help people understand that, you know, there was not somebody out there submarining all these different bills, that they're actually going to still be down on the floor, be debated, be heard on, and be voted on. Can we do that? Okay. Yeah, I can hang on. All right, we hold on. All right, it's uh, 21 after 6 on a Thursday. I just thought this is something we need to talk about because there were a lot of people there yesterday. They had that big, uh, uh, you know, rally. They had over rally. seven over 700 people there. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. Let's uh, talk first about David Lucas uh, because he wants to ask you a question. Are you concerned about out-of-control government spending, soaring inflation, political unrest and a uh, rapid decline in the u.s dollar if you're a typical american you better be concerned about those things 
It's why millions of Americans are investing in silver and gold to protect their uh, nest eggs. Uh, David Lucas Financial, right here in North Little Rock, uh, wants you to know that he doesn't want you to be uh, hurt by 1970 styles inflation and have it destroy your retirement. Learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets, IRA, 401k, and hard-earned savings by calling 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, and they uh, can get you direct prices from a dealer you can trust. So to learn more about buying gold, buying silver, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315 investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. We'll be back with uh, State Senator uh, Kim Hammer, and we'll talk more about what happened yesterday uh, when the Committee of the Whole got together. We'll talk about it when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so Kim Hammer is our guest. He's state senator. He's talking about what happened happened yesterday uh, when the uh, Committee of the Whole reconvened. And there's a lot of people who think that the conservative cause was kicked in the gutter yesterday, uh, Kim, and that's just the opposite of what happened. I, to my knowledge, everything that was filed yesterday got assigned to a committee um, some and again a lot of what was happening on the floor was happening at a really fast pace and as somebody said uh, because we we are you know we're coming out of a recess it's not that we're in uncharted water but we're in unfamiliar water and anytime that happens I think it creates a an atmosphere or maybe a cloud either of uncertainty or suspicion that things are going to happen uh, that you're not going to be aware they're happening before they do. And so I, I think that probably contributed to it. But, but one, of the, one of the main things that uh, maybe some people didn't understand was uh, when it came time to read what we call the bills across the desk, and that's where uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor, uh, who chairs the you know, Senate chamber, uh, starts to read the bills across the desk, for the purpose of getting them on the calendar. Now, we had waived the 24-hour rule. The rule we traditionally have is that a bill can't be heard for 24 hours, but because we're trying to get this session done, it's not unusual that we've done this before, and it was done yesterday. A motion was made to waive the 24-hour rule, so that means that as soon as the bill was run across the desk, it could go to the committee and begun to be heard You know, as soon as the chair called for the committee to meet. And go ahead. Well, what you're what you're saying is that people who thought that the conservative side was taking a a beating, it really was not happening. In fact, the people who we would say were progressive on uh, the right were the ones that lost because the bills are going to be heard. I got 30 seconds. Am I right or am I wrong? Every bill that was read across the desk yesterday is going to have a chance to be heard in the fact that it is in the committee. Now, in the Public Health Committee, uh, Senator Garner wanted his bills left in committee. And so there has to be a Public Health Committee called 
in order for those bills to be heard. That will be the next thing you watch for is will that committee be called or will he request that the committee be called uh, because his bills are the only ones left sitting in public health. All right. Thank you very much, uh, State Senator. We appreciate the time. I hope we've cleared up some misconceptions out there because that I really wanted to make sure that people knew that uh, the conservative side of the party is doing their job. Thank you very much. It's time to uh, talk with our special guest from Harding University this week, and that is going to be Sarah Orpeza, who is the program director, College of Sciences, Applied Dietetics Practice Program at Harding University. I'll tell you what all of that means in just a second. And uh, we're going to have a long discussion about what is a registered dietitian nutritionist and what career opportunities are available for registered dietitians. And that this is kind of a new area. Now, I'm a type 2 diabetic, so my doctor told me that I needed to see somebody like you uh, to sit down and talk about how I should uh, do my, uh, my meals and things of that nature so that I could keep my... Uh, my sugar measurements at a reasonable spot, as well as, you know, being able to lose a little bit of weight and things of that nature. Why don't you talk about how this particular area of study has exploded over the last, I'm going to think, maybe five, ten years? Ah, that's a great question, Dave. Well, the number of baby boomers are living longer. Um, just Americans in general, we're living, we're living longer, which is great. But also, too, that means a lot of us need health care later down in, um, in our lives. And also, too, we've just had an increased public interest in food and nutrition, not even just um, the food that we eat, but how we grow our food, creating sustainable food systems. Um, food insecurity is also a big thing. And then also, too, because we're living longer, we have um, people are using health care more often now. We also are seeing, seeing an increased prevalence of chronic disease. So all of those factors um, reveal an overwhelming need for registered dietitian nutritionist. And according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's a projected growth um, in this area. So that means there's going to be a lot of jobs available. And just like with any other healthcare profession, um, dietitians are needed in the hospital setting, outpatient setting. So there's definitely a need and jobs that are available for future students. And, and it's it's more important than ever that people come and see folks who are, uh, you know, educated in these fields instead of just going out there on the wild west. That's what I call the internet, and yeah. you know, checking out. All the different stories that are out there. This is, you know, uh, you know, eat a pound of cinnamon a month, and and you'll get rid of your di- uh, type two diabetes and things of that nature. I just made that up. I, that's not true. I just made that up. But the bottom line, you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes. Yeah, with um, internet at their fingertips, as you know, consumers are taking health into their own hands, which is great, you know, that, that we have information that's out there, easily accessible. However, we know that surfing the internet and just any form of social media uncovers a lot of nutrition and misinformation that, you know, from quick fixes that fail to deliver, claims that are too good to be true, and then recommending foods that are good or bad. Registered dietitians are the ones that help correct that nutrition and misinformation, and they're educated to apply that evidence-based research and practice to help 
people and communities thrive and live their healthiest. But that is, yeah, that is a big thing. I'll tell you this much, Sarah. If everything that I've read about eggs is correct in type 2 diabetes, I should not have type 2 diabetes. I eat a ton of eggs. I love eggs, especially after they figured out that the cholesterol in an egg has no bearing on the cholesterol in your body. That has been a long um, disputed thing, a lot of controversy with different types of food, but eggs, yes, is one of those. Yeah, it's been interesting. Let's talk about careers because that's important as well. You know, you you become a registered dietitian nutritionist. You don't make maybe you don't sit in a hospital or a doctor's office and just talk to people about you know what it is they're eating. I mean, you could be in the food service of a sector. You could be in a research center. You could be working at a fitness center in a gym. I mean, this can be used in a lot of different ways. Yes, um, that's the wonderful thing that I tell students and prospective students that once you become an RD, once you have that credential, really the world is your oyster. Um, People are, they look for the nutrition professional. So when you're even looking for jobs, the fact that you have an RD credential, that puts you at the top. And yeah, like you mentioned Yes, dietitians, most of the jobs are in entry-level clinical settings, but that doesn't mean dietitians are working in different sectors, whether that's private, public, um, nonprofit areas. A big thing, too, is um, even big industries, corporate um, organizations, they are starting wellness programs where they hire dietitians. Even large grocery store chains are hiring dietitians to do nutrition education in the grocery store setting or even through social media. And an exciting thing, too, is a boom in um, private practice dietitians that are providing telehealth. We know with um, COVID and the pandemic, we've had to kind of switch to providing more telehealth for people that um, might not feel comfortable coming into the office. But now that this is more common, a lot of dietitians are offering um, nutrition counseling and education through telehealth. And what a wonderful job where you can work from home or you can... um, provide those services in a more convenient way for the community. So those are just some areas that the the industry, the discipline keeps expanding, especially with new research. We see a boom in nutrigenetics, and a lot of dietitians are getting um, behind that research and providing tailored care based on your genetics, which is amazing. That was something that w- wasn't really thought about, you know, 20 years ago. So the, the advances in science and in nutrition are definitely changing the way that we're doing um, careers and what's available for future dietitians. Our guest is Sarah Opezo, uh, and uh, Peza, and she's a program director at the College of Sciences Applied uh, Dietetics Practice Program at Harding University. And uh, this is something that if you've gone into college and you've already taken, gotten a degree, you can go in and take some additional courses and, and get into this program as well as a grad program. Uh, let's talk about what are the steps to becoming a registered dietitian uh, nutritionist. Can you, can you talk about that? Expound a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, so at Harding University, we're really excited to launch our new Applied Dietetics Practice Program, and we offer two pathways. And like you said, Dave, um, we have a pathway for students that already have a bachelor's degree, and this can be a degree in anything. So they, they students who already have a degree, as long as they have um, the prerequisites, they are welcome to apply. 
And this Master's of Science in Applied Dietetics practice is a new and innovative future education model graduate program. And it's one of the few in the country. And at Harding, we are the first and actually in Arkansas. So the reason why it's called future education model is that it's competency-based. And also what makes it unique, it is it allows students to complete online courses and their required supervised learning experiences or their professional setting hours wherever they're located. So it's a program that includes a total of 52 credit hours and 1,106 hours in the professional setting. But upon successful completion of this master's degree, a student can sit for the dietetics exam and become a registered dietitian. All right. We're going to come back and talk uh, more specifically about all of this uh, for the folks that are interested in it. We're going to talk about what makes Harding Applied Dietetics Practice Program different from other dietetics programs that are out there in the country at at this time. But uh, if you are interested in this, let me highly recommend that you go to harding.edu forward slash grad dietetics. That's grad dietetics. Let me spell that G-R-A-D-D-I-E. T-E-T-I-C-S. And uh, many of the things that we've talked about, you'll see again. Uh, it'll spur you to the different places that you need to go to fill out the proper uh, paperwork and to get the proper uh, lead to getting into one of these programs. So, Sarah, we're going to come back in just a moment. We've got to get a break, and uh, we'll do that, and then we'll come back and talk further here Uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Appreciate you joining us today. You stay tuned. We'll be back uh, for you who are listening and have more information about this for you from Harding University on The Answer. Okay, welcome back. Dave Ellswick Show right here at uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Good to have you with us on this early morning on a Thursday. Uh, Sarah uh, Oropesa is with us right now. She's the program director, College of Sciences, Applied Dietetics Practice Program at Harding University up in uh, in Searcy. And I've been saying this for months now. It is amazing what Harding is doing with their graduate programs. They're, they're, a, they're way ahead of a lot of the schools. And, and that's even the East Coast schools, you know, that everybody thinks are, are God's gift to the universe. But uh, the Searcy School is doing really, really, really well in uh, bringing a lot of this stuff to you. Uh, let's let's get back in and talk about dietetics some more here on the uh, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. What makes your uh, your program different from other programs that are out there, uh, Sarah? So I gave you a really good lead in with that because I think that Harding is just heads and head and shoulders above a lot of other universities right now? Yeah, great question, Dave. Um, When students are looking for different types of programs, the thing to really consider is whether or not, you know, something fits for them. And at Harding, we are, you know, proud to be Christ-centered and mission-focused. And one thing that we are really excited about is that we are one of the very few faith-based dietetics programs of its kind in the nation. 
So not even in the state, but in the nation. So I think that that speaks volumes just for Arkansas, but of course the nation as well. And um, another thing that I want to highlight is that we are accredited by the Accreditation Council for Education and Nutrition and Dietetics. And we are accredited as an early adopter demonstration program that uses the future education model, like I mentioned. So for us, we're one of the few programs that have used these new standards. It's very innovative in the, um, the curriculum and how it's designed. So it's for a student who wants to really be on the cutting edge of what future practitioners are doing, this is one of the great programs that um, they should look into. And last but not least, I think this thing is we provide student flexibility when it comes to their classes. We have a unique combination of online learning and student-identified rotations in the professional setting, and that can be here in the state of Arkansas or can be anywhere in the United States. So that's a wonderful thing, too. If students love Harding, they wouldn't want to go to a Christian school, but maybe they can't move to Arkansas or maybe they live somewhere else, we provide that flexibility. And um, the only time that they need to come to campus is for orientation and an, an intensive where they can meet their peers in person and do some skill-based learning. But it really does provide that student flexibility that uh, many other programs may not have where they're required to be on campus. You know, and, I, I, oh, go ahead. I'll let me, fin- let oh, me yeah. finish. And the final thing really is because we, we um, allow students with any background, you don't have to have a degree, a bachelor's degree in nutrition or dietetics to apply, and we don't require the GRE as well. So that's something to also think about as you're looking for schools and, um, you know, which, which, would be the be- which school would be the best fit for you. Yeah, a lot of people think that the only people that are interested in these programs are young people, you know, between 18, 35 or whatever. That's just not the case anymore in education. In education, people are making changes in in, in their particular, you know, field that they, they want to be involved in. Uh, and this allows people to make these changes without having all kinds of problems, correct? Exactly. And I don't, there have been so many students that have emailed me, reached out to me, Dave, that are, um, you know, they studied biology in the past or they studied business and they're, they're like, you know, the pandemic made me kind of rethink what I'm doing. And I, I want to go into nutrition and dietetics. And we're just really excited that we have that path. Of course, you know, students may have to do some prerequisite courses, you know, get the foundational nutrition courses, but it is a lot easier than going back to school and completing an entire bachelor's degree to, to, start the process of becoming a dietitian. But yes, for sure, exactly what you said. Yeah, it's it's really important that people understand that perhaps you got you, you just got tired or you are tired of, of the particular field that you were in. You want to do something new. This really interests you. All you have to do is go to harding.edu slash grad dietetics and uh, you can get all the necessary information you need to be able to acquire the necessary credentials to be able to uh, take on a new career. Exactly. Okay. So let me let me finish up with you, and uh, let's talk about what people need to do then. I mean, there's a lot of baby boomers are you know we're out there, and uh, maybe we're just you know tired of being a uh, a high school teacher or whatever, and we want to do something more specific to help uh, people that we know uh, with this kind of information. So where can folks learn more about the program? What are the ne- what are the real questions they should be asking themselves, Sarah, uh, about this program and asking you about this program 
before they take the leap to get involved in it. Yeah. So, Dave, we're excited also to be hosting several virtual open houses this year. So it's going to be a Zoom link so people can um, RSVP and join our open house. We will actually introduce all the new faculty, our curriculum, all the program prerequisites, how to apply, basically everything um, a student needs to know about how to proceed. So our next open house will be on Sunday, October 10th from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Time. And every people who are interested can register on our website, harding.edu slash graddietetics. But if people have specific questions for me, I am more than welcome to answer those specific questions. And they can email me at dietetics at harding.edu. Yeah, let, let's... I want to go back and, and talk real quickly uh, about something that we, we kind of ran over real fast at the beginning of the interview, and that is working in this field uh, opens you up to virtually uh, 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 just a, a whole cornucopia of uh, different opportunities. I mean, yeah, there's clinical settings uh, that you can be involved in, but there's research centers, there's the fitness centers. One thing that I think we probably can talk about is sports teams, like uh, collegiate sports teams and professional Mm -hmm. sports teams. All of those professional athletes and many of the uh, collegiate athletes, which there's not that much difference between them and a professional, to be honest with you, uh, they have specific, you know, dietetic uh, uh, eating programs that they follow and they're expected to follow them. Yes, and that is a great um, point, Dave, because a lot of professional and collegiate sports teams, when they're hiring professional nutrition professionals, they have to be dietitians. So that's another thing, too. If you would like to work for a sports team in nutrition, and especially we call it performance nutrition, um, you have to be a dietitian. And a lot of them not only want you to be a dietitian, but they want you to be a certified sports dietitian, mm. which is an extra cred- credential that you can get. But, yeah, if, if you just Google the dietitians that are on, you know, different sports teams, um, I've had the privilege of talking to the Chicago Bulls dietitian or the Toronto Blue Jays dietitian, and they, they are dietitians, and they're also um, certified sports dietitians. So that's also um, something to consider and it, that, of course, is not at the professional level, like you mentioned. But, um, yes, even the NCAA Division One schools, huge programs where it's like you need a lot of support when it comes to strength and conditioning but and also to the performance nutrition aspect. All right. We have come to the end of our time, Sarah. I appreciate you giving us uh, the time. Let me give that website again, harding.edu forward slash grad diet uh, Tedx and uh, again that's uh, G R A D D I E T E T I C S and good luck with this program. I think uh, this is going to grow huge for you all. Thank you so much, Dave, and thank you for the opportunity. All right, bye bye now. All right, that uh, was Sarah uh, Opropeza, program director, College of uh, Sciences Applied Dietetics Practice Program at Harding University. Again. For more information on this program, harding.edu forward slash grad dietetics uh, is where you need to go and check it out. Uh, They'll be on with us again next month with another program. It's amazing what Harding University is up to now. All right. So that's a pretty interesting program to say the least since it is 
the only program like it in the United States, and it can be taken anywhere in the United States on uh, online. Pretty cool. Pretty cool indeed. All right, coming up the rest of this uh, show, we got another hour to go, so don't run away. Joe and Duck are going to be with us in the next half hour, and uh, we're only doing a half hour today because at 735 Uh, Senator John Bozeman will join with us. There's a lot to talk about, about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and how it will affect us here in uh, in Arkansas. That's uh, an important topic, by the way. It's always nice to talk about national politics, but how they're going to influence you here in our home state. So we'll talk to the senator about that. I'm sure he'll want to talk about how... Uh, the Democrats want to, you know, spend these trillions of dollars. We'll talk about some of the new things Manchin has said. He says, you don't got my vote if you don't uh, bring back the Hyde Amendment. And he also made the statement, you know, the $3.7 trillion you're talking about was just not attainable and not sustainable. So we'll talk about that as well. That's all coming your way. Stay tuned. We got news for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get into the final hour, 7.06, and Joe and Duck are here. Joe from Joe's Garage, Duck from Duck's Garage. you got a question, 823-0965. Phone lines are open to you about that. I've heard people talk about a couple of things since I've been back uh, from vacation concerning cars, and I thought I'd bring them up to the two guys today, let them talk about it. First of all, Duck, you like my new glasses? I do. I, I bought those yesterday. I went to that Vision place, a Vision over um, over off of Markham, and they did the job, man. I got bifocals, of course, and uh, took them two hours. That's all. They said two hours. Do they fit good? Oh, yeah. They're great. And you know what was really great? Driving in the dark and being able to see the whole highway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Driving home was not fun from Florida the first about three and a half hours of the trip as I left at about 4.30 in the morning. So I had to wait for the sun to come up so I could kind of see over into the forested areas. And that's important because before I could see over to the forested areas, there was a big buck that was standing on the side of the road. 
and I'm glad he didn't try to cross while I was yeah. coming pot me all past him. So anyway, yeah, just, just let you know that uh, that division place was just called Success Vision or something. Mm-hmm. Like, Vision Success. They do a good job. They good did deal. a good job. Went and got my eyes examined yesterday over at the uh, optometrist at uh, Walmart in Cabot. She does a really good job. I like her a lot. So we talked and we took. She took pictures of my retina. She says, "You know, I want you to show you, Dave, that that type two diabetes does do things to the back of your retina." Yeah, every time I go, that's what they tell me. Look here. This yeah. has changed from last time. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that they do that. I I want to see it, you know. The thing that bothered me was they said that I, I, I knew I was developing cataracts, and they said four or five years, you're going to have to have surgery there. Last thing I want to hear is i got to have surgery. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I, I don't want to have any more surgeries. All right, nine minutes after seven. Tuesday morning, I think it was. I'm minding my own business. I'm driving into work and my phone rings. And it's Heidi. And Heidi says, can you stop by and pick me up? My car (laughs) won't start. All right. It's dead. And uh, she told me she thought it was the battery. And sure enough, it was. She put a new battery in and her car's working perfectly now. But uh, we've talked about this on the air before. Batteries do not last the way batteries used to last in cars, correct? That's correct. Well, and another thing, too, used to, they would give you a sign that they're fixing good, wouldn't they, Joe? Yeah. You know, be slow cranking every now and then, and you know that it's, but now you can just turn the key off and go back and get in, and it's dead. Well, yeah. according to Heidi, she didn't have any problems. She wasn't having any problems with her battery at all. She just got in her car, turned the key, <laughs> and nothing. Yeah. I've had folks call me from Walmart after they went grocery shopping, drove up, parked, went in, shop, come out, hit the key, and nothing. Yeah, dead as a hammer. And, That's it. And it's, you know, uh, I don't I don't know if it's plate separation in it or if it's just, I'm I'm tired, I'm through, and, you know, and it just lays down. <laughs> and dies. Yeah. Well, you know, batteries aren't as, like, they're, they're made different today than they were years ago. They don't have as much lead plates in them. The EPA mandates how much a group size battery, how much lead it can have in it. The maximum of good batteries, the maximum amount of lead. Cheaper batteries, they have less lead in them. And yeah. you can pick them up and feel the weight of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, the difference in weight is Yeah, it's everything. Big. And, uh, you know, I, all I can say is that's where we live in today. And that's, you know, the kind of issues we're going to have. As far as batteries go, one day they'll be good. The next morning they won't do nothing. Is part of it also just that the battery is called on to do so much, so much. now? It is. And, and and another thing, too, Dave, all, your car sitting there with the key turned off, once everything dies, it takes it anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes for everything to shut off in your vehicle. Yeah, it's got to go so, to sleep. So it's sitting there with a 9 or 10-volt draw on it all the time. Whether whether it's asleep or it's awake, it's still got a 9-volt draw on it. And that's why when you start your car up, everything's the, ready the, to go the, the well the the little uh, you know, gadget that tells you how much power you got is usually charging yeah at that moment well batteries are very important because <clears throat> one you can't start your car without it but number two if you replace a battery just because it'll fit in the hole that doesn't mean it's the right battery for the car no and it's important to put back what it was born with the right cold cranking amps 
reserve capacity and all that because the batteries today are charged up according to how the PCM learns the battery and the strategy. And if you put a battery in a car, a lot of times you have to go in there and reset it and calibrate it and tell it that you've changed it so we got to start the learning process over. Because if it don't, it could overcharge it. It could undercharge it. it I mean, there's there's a bunch that it could happen that if you don't do all that. Well, that's why I don't go to Walmart or go to Target or whomever to get my battery. I come see you guys. And, and not only cars and pickups and diesel pickups, now the 18-wheelers are running the same thing. The 18-wheeler has four 31-series batteries in them. They're 1,100 cold cranking amps. It takes one of them and isolates it by itself, and it, where if you pull over on the side of the road and you turn the truck off and you say you got a little fan blowing on you, it runs off of that battery, not the three cranking batteries. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a motor home now. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and that way you don't get up and click, 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 because you don't sit there and run the battery down. All right. Well, just keep that in mind. Uh, what can the average car owner pickup truck owner do i mean to prepare for that i mean if what three years and figure you might as well factor in you gotta buy a new battery just so you don't end up sitting in the parking lot somewhere pretty close four years is a max on them yep um some of the batteries i sell the ac delco's motorcrafts they have a 36 to 42 month free replacement and once they're out of the free replacement period, there's no point in, in warranting that battery because the they're going to prorate that battery, anything above that. And if they go back, by the time you pay the prorate on it, it's going to be about 80% of what a new battery is, but you don't get the free replacement again. So it'd be really? Better off. Yes. Yeah, otherwise, that free replacement will go on forever. But once that battery is warranted under the free replacement or under a prorate, you do not get the free replacement again. You only get it one time. Yeah. You'd be better off just to buy a new battery. Makes sense. Yeah, and you're only going to pay 20, 15, 20% more if yeah. the battery's like three. Say, say it's got a three year replacement and you got 40 months on it. You're out. Yeah. Don't prorate that battery and pay 80% of what a new one costs. Pay 100% of a new one costs and get the free replacement going on for the next three years. That yep. makes sense. Okay. All these batteries today have serial numbers on them. So if you take it back, you're not going to say, well, you know, I don't have my receipt, but I didn't buy it. They'll, they'll pull it up by the serial number and say, no, yep. we know exactly what day you bought that battery. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the computer now. Yep. And, you know, a good battery today, it can cost uh, somewhere in upwards of 175 to $250. Buy one for a Sprinter. Oh, well, they're probably about 300 bucks. Uh, about three and a half. Yeah. All for, right. for the good one. I mean, yeah. for the one that goes in there. Cause that, that it was born with. Because it is a 1100 cold cranking amp battery. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about bumper to bumper because if you got to replace a battery, you should do it through one of the bumper to bumper certified service centers and they get good batteries from bumper to bumper. And we're going to talk about another part of your car that you use a lot, but a lot of people sure do complain about the part that you got on your new car they don't like them we'll talk about it uh when we come back on that let's talk about the bumper to bumper uh good batteries correct good batteries motorcraft made by the pen corporation uh good batteries um bumper to bumper has about anything we want is interstate still around yes sir i saw them Mm -hmm. is gibbs still involved with him ah yes 
They still got his race car. Let me put mm-hmm. it that way. Okay. All right. I, I didn't know. It's kind of weird because his racing team hasn't done very good lately. <laughs> at, least, at least I don't think so because I don't hear so much about him. Yeah. As far as I guess he's still on the, the stock circuit, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's got uh, Denny Hamlin still driving for him. He's got uh, uh, Bush still driving for him. He's he's, he's still in there. He's, he's still, still doing his thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about Joe Gibbs, of course. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking about the Gibbs on NCIS. <laughs> no. Uh, now we're going to leave him there. <laughs> yeah. I like him. I like the show. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You can get rid of every other person on that show, but you can't not get rid of uh, Mark Hamill. Harmon. I remember when what Mark Harmon Harmon yeah I remember when he played uh, college football yeah you know out at UCLA you know, that was quite a while back he probably trying to forget about it anyway we'll come back and, uh, and and talk further just know that the guys at the bumper to bumper certified service centers use bumper to bumper parts and they use the best parts for your car so that your car will be running when you need your car to be running so what's that what's that other thing that i'm talking about that a lot of people are complaining i heard i must have heard 10 people complain about this since it's been back this week i don't know why it just seems to be for this week headlights are the thing everybody's complaining about now i will admit Cars come up behind me, and I think they got their brights on. And they don't have. And when they get up close to me, I can tell they don't have brights on. It's just their lights are incredibly bright. So when we get back and talk about this, are there standards? Uh, Are there rules about how bright the lights can be and stuff? We'll talk about all of that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, we've got Senator uh, Bozeman coming up at 735 right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. 22 minutes after 7. Phone line is open, 823-0965. If you have a car question, guys would be happy to answer it and to try to give you direction on what may be wrong with your car. Uh, But until we get a call, what I'm going to do is just talk about some things that are being presented to me, people talking about them. When I hear people talk about a certain thing, and I hear it a lot, and it's time for these guys to talk about it and and discuss it as well. Uh, when the when the senator is on, I got a couple of questions that I'm going to ask them uh, dealing with. Uh, and because Joe and I were just talking, and uh, he was exactly right. A lot of people don't realize that uh, the Chinese are trying to undermine us right now. In my opinion, well, they're doing a pretty good not job. Not your opinion. Yeah. A lot of people's opinions. Yeah. All right, and. Uh, when you see a lot of the things that are happening, it's not opinion, it's truth. That's it. And it's going on. I mean, if if you watched any of these uh, meetings that have happened with these generals about Afghanistan sitting in front of the, the senators and answering their questions, if that doesn't concern you, you're not paying attention. There's some, th- there's some really serious stuff that's being said about uh, – politicians and what they're doing and with the with the generals about the generals are there to give them information and i know mr president you want to do that but think about this all right and this is why we're against what you want to do 
and then the president looks at him and says, ah, that's fine. I, I hear what you're saying, but I ain't going to follow it. That's what Biden did. Mm-hmm. All right. That's Actually, exactly he what he remember, did. Didn't remember getting that advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He didn't remember it. I forgot about that. No one told me that. Yeah. He did. Well, you got three generals in the same meeting all said they did. Yeah. And then you, I got to give the general some credit in that they sat there and they said, I'm not going to talk about what I specifically talked about to the president in the Oval Office. They saved his fat. There's no doubt about it. That's that's exactly what they did. They didn't tell the American people. They told some of the truth. They didn't tell all of the truth. That's what, what happened. Well, that's our secrets, and they, you know, I understand there's some stuff that they they you know they don't need to say, don't need to be out into the public so everybody else can hear it. Yeah, well, I have the funny feeling Chinese and the Russians already know what those things are. <laughs> yeah, he called and told them. <laughs> Excuse my voice, but yeah, I know, I understand what you're saying. You know, Millie, you like Millie? You know, it's still dark outside, Dave. His his face said it all. Mm-hmm. his face said uh, all right enough of, of that people complaining to me about headlights they yep. say that they're way too bright and you know when you get a pickup truck pulls up behind you and you're driving in a co- regular car they are squarely in the middle of your rearview mirror yep and they are and i'll agree with what people are saying they are really bright and they think that people have their brights on and guys they don't they yeah. just they get their lights are that bright what's going on with car manufacturers don't they realize that they're doing this i'm sure they do there's the maximum lumens as far as brightness goes i'm not sure exactly what the the government standard is there uh years ago they took a uh what you would call where you'd have to go get your car inspection have an inspection sticker before you could buy your tags uh-huh. and at those times if you were a licensed inspection station, you had a headlight machine where you, you would adjust the the aim of the headlights and you would check the lumens on it. Do and they, if do it they was low, need, you would you would sell them a bulb. Do you, do you need to still have your uh, headlights tested for how they're in the car so it's not like shooting up into the tree or what? Talking about the the aiming the headlights. Yeah, yeah, you can still do that, and a, and a lot of folks do it. Body shops do it. There's a procedure for that, but as far as having a track with a headlight machine on anymore, I hadn't seen one in years. How about Me you? Me neither. But, I hadn't. You know, the aim has got a lot to do with it. And, you know, if you take a truck, four-wheel drive, and you put a, a what you call a level kit on it, and you raise the front end up in the air two inches, it's it puts those lights at a different angle. Yes. And, you know, and if you jack one up, put a four, five, six-inch lift on it, they're at a different angle. A whole lot different There angle. should be a, an adjustment for that. I don't think anybody does it anymore. It's not required that I know of. I guess if you were meet, meeting a police officer and you blinded him, he might pull you over and say, you know, I can write you a ticket for that. And then you get them headlights adjusted down. So. Well, they don't get to do that until they turn their doggone headlights on the top of their cars off when they pull somebody over and they're blaring into your lane as you're driving towards them. I mean, you can't see squat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and pretty well blind see. you. Yeah, you can't see nothing. It's just scary when that happens. And I guess as the older you get, 
your eyes become more susceptible to that. Light sensitive. Because I know as I drive across the river bridge in the morning, the, the cars that are coming the other way. Now, a lot of them I know have their brights on. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to keep in the lane that you're in because you can't see the lines on the road. Sometimes you can't see the wall that's there. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes it, and, makes it a little bit nervous. And a lot of these new cars, Dave, they went to strictly LEDs. And you know how bright LED is. I mean, you can just take a regular light bulb and screw it in, then screw an LED in right behind it. And, yeah, it's a you lot know, brighter. You go from 250 aluminums to 3,500 aluminum just by changing a bulb from, you know, from this to that. And and they all have got uh, transformers on them now, which, you know, makes them bright, too. But the other thing that, what was it, how many years ago was it those bluish colored lights that everybody was using? You don't see those as much anymore. Did they I, make those illegal? I hate them when they come up behind me. No, I don't think they made those illegal or anything. I just think that the newer cars, the way they're designed, you, you, you can't they, put you, them bulbs in you it. You can't put those bulbs in there. Okay. Yeah. I know. I, I see them every once in a while. Usually it's the Mercedes or, well, that would be or Beamers or something like that. Most new cars now are LED or high-intensity high voltage bulbs in the front of them and and it's a complete different world you know some some headlight bulbs are 125 135 to buy them yeah and, and some of them you got to replace the whole assembly and you can't replace them with some of this aftermarket stuff because there's a lighting control module in these cars and it's a different feedback on it and you'll have warning lights come on tell you you got bulbs out they're not working right they don't flash right uh, dimmers don't work right you, if you try and change any of that you're going to create a lot of problems so it's a lot of reasons why you don't see a lot of those bulbs out anymore all right we're out of time today guys senator gets a half hour of your time i'm sorry it's okay but uh senator john bozeman will be on with us when we come back from uh, uh the break here we're going to keep duck around he wants to say thanks to the to the senator because the senator did some good things for him and then i will ask joe about China during that that segment. We'll do that. All right. Let's go. Bill O'Reilly. All right. 25 minutes until 8. In just a moment, we will join our senator in Washington, D.C., John Bozeman. Talk to him a little bit about what's going on with the Democrats. And I want to talk to him about the Chinese. And, you know, Duck is sticking around just so he can say thank you to him because uh, the senator helped him out. Uh, with his PPP, you know, we'll talk to him about that as well. But first of all, let me tell you about Pat Davis. Uh, it's that time where you should be looking at your health care that you, that you got. I know that my uh, folks that handle mine told me to get in touch with them by the end of this week and talk to them about it. I'm staying with them. They've done a good job. No reason that I shouldn't stay with elder care, and that's Except I wish they changed their name. I don't want somebody to tell me I'm an elder. I just don't, don't want to hear that. <laughs> I, I just don't want to hear that. I had talked to John about that, too. If he's getting tired of people calling him old. Uh, Pat Davis, though, uh, can answer all your questions about how you can do uh, health care, uh, health insurance, and save 30 to 50% on it. Uh, if you're self-employed, got a great plan for you. It's actual insurance, not a share plan. You can choose any provider in the nation. There's no co-pays. You often get a check when you go to the doctor, urgent care, and even the hospital. And any excess money that goes to the client, it goes to the client instead of the insurance 
company. Here's what you need to do. You need to call Pat and talk to him. He'll explain how it works, makes the clearest day for you. 501-605-6935. your healthplanman.com on the internet. That's Pat Davis. All right. One of my favorite senators is on the line with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. John Bozeman is here. He is uh, the senior senator of the state of Arkansas. And, John, thanks for joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We were supposed to be in D.C. today, uh, but it just didn't work out. We were looking forward to that. Yeah. I didn't get to go. had a little problem with my foot. Nothing serious. But the, the doc just didn't want me to be walking around on it all the time. So, I'm here, they're there, well, it's just, we'll it is. We'll be saying a little prayer that you get uh, well immediately so we can get you up here at some point and let you raise cane in Washington. Yeah, well, there's a lot of cane to be raised, I'm there's just telling you. You know, it's funny, you were talking about, you know, senior senator and this and that. I was in the chair last Congress when Republicans had control, so we would, you know, uh, rule over the Senate. And I introduced uh, one of the senators. I meant to say senior senator. I said senior citizen. Uh oh. And uh, it shook him up so much he had to start over again. <laughs> I, I'm getting tired. I, you know, everybody calls me sir. The, the, I only remember my father being called sir, not no, me. You're exactly right. It drives me crazy. I said, I know my name's Dave. Call me Dave. That's my dad. And I know because of your father's example, you're st- still saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, to, to the you know the 20-year-old clerk That's at, right. at the store and things. <laughs> you know, those are... Those we've lost a lot of that, and those are you know those are just manners. Yeah, yeah. manners are many morals. They're they're important things. Yeah, it's you're you're exactly right. Uh, it's, it's funny to go through Walmart when they got a checker available, <laughs> and go through <laughs> right. and, and talk to the checker and say yes, ma'am, <laughs> and she's right. like probably twenty two, and I here I am right. sixty eight. It's 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 interesting. Anyway, but. Ducks here from Ducks Garage. He he wanted a few moments. He had, he always tells me to tell you thank you uh, whenever I talk to you. So today I asked him to stick around so he could personally thank you. So here he is. Yeah, uh, and I just want to thank you and your staff. Uh, as you know, I had trouble with uh, SBA people. I couldn't get them to talk to me for four and a half right. months. I called. I left messages. I left emails. And their excuse was, well, we never got them. We're working from home. But. I just want to thank the the lady. I think her name was Karen. She sent me an email. Right. Would you ask her to resend it? It went in my spam folder. She had some questions yeah, for no, me. For sure. She had some yeah, questions yeah. for no, me, for and sure. I lost it. I was on vacation with Dave that week when she sent it. But I just want to thank yeah. you and your whole staff because without you, I you know I couldn't get nowhere with nobody. And well, I, I I appreciate that very much. I apologize that you're having trouble with the agency, and you know that's that's how these things are sometimes. So yeah, and, um, and I, but, I started out through Kim things. Hammer, and then I got I come to radio and talked to Dave, and Dave said, "Wait a minute, yeah. let's get Senator." And so once they got well, involved, they talked to my banker. They got in. I already had a letter, but my banker needed something else from them. Right. And right. so that's. Well, The nice thing about this is, you know, using the power of the office wherever we're at, you know, using whatever we're doing, you know, uh, 
uh, putting ourselves in a situation where we can help others. So that's that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. And we, I'll certainly follow up, and, and we'll get that email to you. Yeah, and just tell them that all that I, I did, I do appreciate them. Because I well, had done, my banker had that. done got frustrated, and I had done got frustrated, and I had done got mad, and <laughs> and I had said a few things well, about the federal government that I probably shouldn't you know, have said. I, but. I, I understand. In fact, you know, I, 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 we're going to be talking about some things going on now, and one of them is weaponizing the IRS. And we're in a situation now where part of this massive spending bill is, is so big, it, it, they can't even really estimate how much it's going to cost because of all of the different programs. We think, they think, uh, Congressional Budget Office, you know, probably around $4 trillion in new spending, $2 trillion in new taxes. And the way, one of the ways that they're going to pay for that is to spend $89 billion on the IRS, providing them with new IRS agents, tens of thousands. And then they're going to, every time you have a transaction, whether you deposit or withdraw uh, $600, Mm -hmm. over $600 from your account, uh, that's going to be reported to the IRS. Right now, there's a reporting threshold of $10,000 that's been in place for, for decades. If you index that to inflation, uh, that would be fifty thousand dollars. Now we, we were actually trying to get that raised, you know, because that that standard is too low. But if you can imagine, you know, every time uh, this is truly Big Brother, and people don't believe it, you know, they say, John, you know, that can't be. Well, it is. It is. This is one of the major pay fors is getting it such that the IRS uh, knows everything we're doing, and so that and it's cumulative. You know, it's two hundred dollars now, two hundred dollars later. Uh, you know, and then when it adds up to six hundred, then they turn it in. It, it, it is real. It's beyond belief. Uh, and We're pushing back really hard, and, and the major thing is just getting the information out so that your listeners, so that the people of Arkansas, and we're in great shape in Arkansas. There's no Republican that's going to vote for any of this stuff. In fact, it's amazing, guys. There's no Republican, uh, period, that's going to vote for any of this stuff in, in, in either House of Congress. But what we've got to do is, <clears throat> through our, our different entities, uh, you know, the different businesses that we're in, you know, contact our national people and say, look, you got to fight back against this stuff. Yeah, I got to jump in and just ask you this question, Senator. You know, the Schumer just said the other day that it's because of Republicans that they can't get this done. And I'm thinking to myself. That's a okay, great compliment. Yeah. Well, but I'm thinking, I'm going, you control the House. You control the White House. You control the Senate. And you're blaming the Republicans for it not getting done? Well, I think what's happening, Dave, is, is Republicans are doing a good job. You're doing a good job, you know, through programming like this, talking about these crazy things that, that the pay force. Uh, the Green New Deal is going to be part of this package. Yeah. Uh, you can imagine what it's going to do to, to Arkansas if, if gasoline goes up a dollar a gallon. You, you take we're all two wage earner families. You take twenty an extra twenty or thirty dollars out of each one of our pockets. There's no disposable income left. What does it do to single moms? What does it do to people on fixed incomes? So the list goes on and on and on. And I think I, I you know I, I'd love to to take exclusive credit we as Republicans blocking this, but what's blocking is the American public. Uh, you know, they're standing up and saying, hey, we don't want, you know, a $600 reporting threshold. 
we don't want to be in a situation where if mom or dad passes away and we inherit something, right now, under current law, the value of the property becomes the day of death. What they're trying to do is take it back to when that property was bought. So you can imagine you've got a business, you've got a small business, small farm, and uh, maybe the, the land was purchased, the building was purchased, the equipment was purchased decades ago. Then what they want you to do is come up with the uh, the tax the tax dollars, the capital gain, between then and now, the average cost to to the small and medium uh, sized farms, the farm community, was seven hundred twenty thousand dollars. Oh my God! So these are these are these are huge numbers. And the other thing we did, Dave, is you know I'm, I'm the uh, ranking on Eric, so I told my committee, I said, look, you know, it's one thing if we say this, you know, these are the facts. Get somebody to study this. And so we asked uh, Texas A and M who were happy we beat last week. <laughs> we asked them, to, they're the premier people that do this kind of research. We said, run the numbers. You know, they follow 94 farms throughout the country. 92, would, they found, would be dramatically impacted. Uh, the two that weren't didn't have any land. And so 92 of the 94, and the average was $720,000. So these are big things. Doubling capital gains, you know, getting, uh, which, you know, they want to do, and, and, and uh, you're in a situation then where you're paying 40% plus uh, 3.7 or 8% for Obamacare, and then and then you pay uh, income, state income tax on top of that. You're at 50%. So you've got your business, you've got your small farm, your, you know, your small, medium-sized business, and you, you get tired, you know. You, you say, "I want to sell this at some point," and, and maybe the, you, you know, your kids don't want it or this or that. Uh, then you're talking, and that's your 401k, it's your pension plan, it's your it's your life savings. You know, it's it's your holidays and and you know your weekends. I mean, you poured your your life into this thing, and then you're going to be taxed 50 percent right off the, right off the bat. So these are big things, they're major things, and the good news is, like I say, because of programs like this, because of Republicans talking about it, and the American public standing up, uh, they're they're having problems right now. All right, going to take a break, uh, Senator. We'll be right back with you. We've got about 13 minutes uh, of 8 o'clock. When we come back, I want to talk to you about China. I think they are our number one enemy. I think that they're doing trying to do things to our economy. We'll talk about it when we return here on the Dave Ellswick uh, show don't forget about pi roofing pi roofing will take care of your roof you want to keep that roof in uh, good shape so that you don't spring a leak so to speak speak and start getting bad uh, you know water into your home because it gets to that drywall it can uh, cause problems that can add up real quickly when you got to get them fixed so go talk to the folks at pi roofing they're the only people that have ever worked on the roof of my house and uh, that you know the way i feel that they're the only people that will work on the roof of my house. All you got to do is just follow them up on the internet. Go to piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. All right, we got nine minutes till eight. Our uh, senior senator is on the air with us, uh, John Bozeman. And uh, Senator Bozeman, the, the, the Chinese government is trying to undermine, I believe, 
the uh, economy of the United States. Let's talk about this just a little bit. Let me bring, let me present my case, and then I'll let you talk about it. This whole thing about car makers not being able to get chips, it, it just doesn't it make sense to me that we're in the middle of a pandemic, and all of a sudden the company that gives all the chips for the cars burns down. Then after the place burns down and they start building a new one back, and they're building two, in fact, the people who are the workers at this factory all are getting sick with COVID, and they they don't report to uh, uh, to the uh, uh, to work. You've got the people in in China wanting more pork, and so they come over here to the United States to get it, which means we have less pork, and so pork prices go up here in the United States. Uh, you've got large cargo ships sitting out in bays all over and around the United States. They can't get unloaded. I mean, just sounds it it it, it this doesn't sound coincidental to me. Are you people uh, there in, uh, and, and that's not the way to put it, are you all looking at uh, the uh, the Chinese and making sure they're not trying to to make things so difficult for us and they become the number one I got world's economy? That too, What's Dave? that? Well, death yeah, modules. No, I, I agree with you totally, Dave, and, and, and share all of those concerns. And I would throw in another one that is really very, very important, and that's these alternate currencies, the Bitcoin and all of that. They're trying to figure out a way so that they can uh, make it such that we aren't the currency of the world. It is a tremendous uh, you know, thing for us to be the, the currency that, that everyone right. operates with, and, and they're, they're working really hard to undermine that. And I'll tell you that the sad thing is the difference, the Chinese, not the Chinese people, but the Chinese government lie, cheats, they manipulate uh, all of those. Anybody who's done any business in China understands that. President Trump understood it as well as anyone. And he, what he did was demanded that they start playing by the, the rules, you know, that we all had the same rules. And as a result of that, he got really tough with them. He put the tariffs in. He broke their economy. They're such a large country. They need 20-some-odd million jobs a year just to prevent social unrest. And they need, you know, 6 7% growth. He chopped that down and, uh, as a result, really struck, you know, some pretty good trade trade things that are that have been good for agriculture. Uh, my concern is because of the Afghanistan debacle, and it truly was a debacle, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I, I, even uh, some of my Democrat colleagues understand that and admit that. We're having these hearings now, which have been good, that, that really illustrate that. But but what we're seeing now is our allies don't know if we'll be there for them. And then you've got people like China that are emboldened because unlike President Trump, uh, they feel like uh, the Biden administration will roll over. So the implications are great. If China, you know, they're doing this not only us, but they're doing it to the rest of the world. Uh, there's great concern that Japan will start feeling that pressure. Japan is an industrious nation that could go nuclear overnight almost. I think you see nuclear proliferation in Japan, nuclear proliferation in uh, South Korea. And that none of this stuff is going to make the world any safer. So it, it really is a critical time, and uh, we are looking at these things. And 
unlike uh, President Trump, uh, President Biden has, has really failed in this aspect. Yeah, well, he's playing, you know, happy-handed games with them, and you can't with the Chinese. The Chinese no. have had a long-term no. plan to to undermine us. They're worse than the Soviets ever were, and we had a huge Cold War with them. You see us getting into a Cold War with the Chinese? I, I, I think that there's real concern of that. Again, it's going to depend on how we react. And uh, after Afghanistan and some of the other stuff, you know, this debacle with, with France, and it's not, it's not a question of, of, of doing what you do, it's how you do it. But, uh, you know, pulling out of Bagram without telling any of our allies that we were going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had troops there. You know, uh, and the other thing that we forget is our NATO allies had a bunch of troops there also, but there was no coordination at all. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. So our allies are very concerned. We this is a time when we need to be banding together, and uh, I don't see that the the Biden administration has done done uh, they've done just the opposite of a good job of that to stand up to China, and then we've got Russia lurking around. That yep. Russia just likes to cause trouble, and they're very, very good at that. They thrive on, uh, uh, you know, instability in their region. So these are huge things. I'm glad you brought it up, and, and we need to be talking about these things more. But as you point out, the only thing the Chinese understand is, is being tough, you know, and uh, that's the one thing that we had with President Trump in that regard. Uh, he did a very, very good job of that. As uh, we used to say with the Russians, because that's when I was in the military, the only thing that the Russians understand is that you've got the bigger gun. Gun. Uh, just just the way it is. All right. Cong- uh, uh, Senator, I thank you for your time. Uh, let's do this again soon because I'd like to talk to you about precious uh, minerals as well because uh, the, the Chinese are all over that as well. So we'll right. do that in the near future. You have a great day, yeah. sir. Thank you, Senator. Well, thank you for having Appreciate you guys so very much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. That was Senator John Bozeman. I'm just telling you, keep your eye on the, the Chinese, the CCP. And if if you're one of the people that are at the top of the food chain over there at the uh, uh, UCA, Get rid of that that group they got over there, the Confucius Institute. They're trying to undermine your campus. Keep that in mind. We'll we'll talk about that next next Wednesday. I'll talk about that with uh, Congressman uh, Hill. It's got to get closed down. Absolutely must be closed down. It's Dave Ellswick Show. See you tomorrow. We're going to have Robert on and Chris. Uh, Dan Sullivan, state uh, senator, will be on what's going on with redistricting. You'll find out tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And we got a lot of other things to talk about as well, like, you know, the whole thing about the inoculations going on and people losing their jobs if they're not getting them at some companies. We'll take that up as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.